0: Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for the NCC podcast. God is doing so many great things in our community, and I trust that he's doing great things in your life as well. And I trust that God is going to speak to you through this message. Amen. Welcome Pastor Denny Duran, to the stage. Ah. Uh. I am so weepy today. My baby girl does that to me, I tell you. She, uh, when they put that little bundle in my arms all those years ago, not too many, baby, but uh, it changed my life forever, you know. And uh, I adore her. I'm crazy about her and everything she does and um, everything that she is. And then, of course, those, those grandchildren. That I've got down there. Now they are the apple of my eye. And uh, Taylor, you just took my heart away this morning, uh, sharing and and the team. Can you give them a great hand for that wonderful, wonderful worship time? Uh, I bring greetings from Shreveport Community Church, which is your sister church, whether you know it or not. And uh, we pull for you all the time. We are aware of all that you are doing in the world to change the world. And may I say this, there is no church in this region, ours included, that is doing more to manifest the glory and the mission of Jesus in the earth, outside the church walls, than North Point Community Church. Our hat is off to you. We... Love you. Uh, this morning, I want to get right into the message. Uh, Destiny asked me this morning about the message if I had notes. I said, I really don't. I said, I'm just working this thing through, honestly, because God is just. Go ahead, you can be seated. Yeah, great. Uh, <clears throat> uh, would you all be seated, please, there? <clears throat> and I said, uh, this is something that is most recently on my heart. So through the years, what I have learned is that the Holy Spirit works by putting truth on your heart so that when you communicate, you're not just communicating out of your head, but you're communicating from your heart. And so what I will talk to you about is a current, present moment. Terry leading and dealing of the Holy Spirit in my own heart. And I believe we're going to make a heart connection today, don't you? Amen. Well, I pray in Jesus' name that the Word of God will land heavily upon our hearts today and bring change. And everybody said, Amen. I want to speak to you on the subject of where are the nine? Where are the nine? Can we put that up there? Or do we have that yet? Okay. I'm just going to wait until it comes up. Not because I don't trust you. I just, you know, I knew it was coming. Where are the nine? An hour that you think not. There it is. Where are the nine? Uh, chapter 17 of Luke, if you want to turn there with me, please. And we're going to put it on the screen, of course, so that you can see it. I normally use the King Jim Bible, and the reason I do is because everybody knows that's the one that the Apostle Paul used, right? If you're not laughing, then I need to talk to you afterward. All right. The apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. Now, what had happened here was that they had been walking with Jesus for a while, and they discovered that everything he said happened. And everything he said was cursed was cursed. And everything he said was blessed was blessed. And sometimes he spoke prophetically, and they watched it come to pass within a matter of days, weeks, or months. And they put all that together with an understanding he has a faith that moves the heart of Father God. And that's what we've got to have. How many of you know that we all need a faith that moves the heart of Father God? And so they said these words to him. Increase our faith. Increase our faith so that we will be able to have the same powerful, prophetic, life-changing word in our mouth that you have in yours. And we continue. The Lord answered, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. Now, we are so wrong about our interpretation of this passage many times. There have been people that have created mustard seed necklaces for people to wear, just to remind them that, that mustard seed faith, if you really had faith as a mustard seed, you could remove a mountain or you could remove a mulberry tree. There are two different passages concerning what Jesus said about this. But that's not what Jesus was saying at all. Jesus was saying this to us. You cannot quantify faith. I'm I'm a football coach. I've been a football coach for 42 years. I've been preaching for 52 years. Football coaching is part teacher, part father, part disciplinarian, part educator, part griever. Like when you lose, you grieve deeply. But in football coaching, you develop these these mantras that have nothing to do with the game, like this we have got to learn to win we got to learn to win we don't know how to win yet or how about how about this one we just don't hate losing enough we need to hate losing now here's the kind of coach i am don't ever say that in my field house and don't you ever stand in front of my football team and say that And the reason why is because I cannot manage what I can't measure. Are you listening? I can't manage what I can't measure. I can't measure how much my kids hate losing. I can't measure how much they love winning. I can't measure a winning attitude. In fact, what I've told my boys is this. I said, fellas, let me just tell you this. This is the kind of coach I am. I I don't care if you're thinking about football. If you're thinking about your fundamental responsibilities out there, I don't don't care if you're thinking about your girlfriend. I said, if you take a step and block that guy, I'm happy. (laughs) I said, I can't measure that other stuff. All I can measure is what you do. And here's what you're going to find out about this chapter. That is the summary of this chapter, the whole chapter. The disciples asked, increase our faith. And Jesus, I believe tongue in cheek, says, oh, really? Well, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and thrown into the sea. And, and it would be done. What he was really saying is this. It's never about the measure of your faith. It's about the understanding that faith is because He is. And you have this thing all wrong. You are not going to grow in increments in your faith until you finally get to the faith I have. No, 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 no. The day is going to come When I am going to go to the Father and I am going to send the same one that is in me to you. And when I send him to you, you are going to live and operate in a dimension of faith that will be the same dimension that I operate in. Not because you have a quantity of this or that or a measure of this or that, but because you have faith. And faith is faith no matter where it appears. Because faith is all about relationship. This is what I believe about Scripture. I've studied the Bible my whole life. I believe that all Scripture is inspired of God. How many of you believe that? I believe that holy men spake as they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. I believe that these apostles... And these prophets dictated this word for their scribes to pen, that it came as revelation straight off of heaven's press. I don't think a book like this is even conceivable in the earth. It is the most amazing, most majestic, most life-changing, most heart-transforming book in the world. And and what, what I can tell you is this. Though I believe that it is that inspired by God, I also believe that there is a human element because that's always God's plan. God's plan was that Jesus be all man and that he be all God. wasn't half man, half God. He was all man, all God. And the redemption of the planet has to do with a cooperative effort between a holy God and a fallible man. That has been God's equation from cover to cover. So it won't change when we talk about the Word of God. So what would happen, I believe, as I've read Scripture, is that men would begin to be moved upon. These writers, these these scribes of the Holy Spirit, would begin to be moved upon in their hearts in a certain direction. For instance, here in this passage, I believe that Luke was feeling the need to communicate the message of faith. And so I believe that as he wrote, he pulled not only statements that Jesus made about faith, for what we know is John 17, They, those were not the divisions in those days, but he also pulled even the experiences he had with Jesus that fit into the flow of how the Holy Spirit was moving him. So, this whole flow that he's in begins with these passages. Lord, increase our faith. And then, how Jesus turned to them, tongue in cheek, almost sarcastically, and said, If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, that would be all you needed. In other words, any faith is all the faith you need because it's not about. Believing in your belief, it is about believing in the one. So let's continue. There it is. Here's the first thing in this passage that I believe we need to land on. The principle that faith is not a quantity. Faith is measurable because faith is servanthood, servanthood. You see, you you, you can't measure the quantity, the storehouse of your faith. I talked to a man this week that had worked down in the salt domes of South Texas, and he was telling me how how many hundreds of millions of barrels of reserve oil they have. It's just extraordinary sometimes we can see faith as a reservoir. Faith is not a reservoir. Faith always results in, listen, a measurable action. You cannot, you can never ever measure the reservoir, the reserve of your faith, but you can measure the result of your faith. And the result of your faith, first of all, is servanthood. Continue with the passages. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No, he says, prepare my meal. Put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Interesting, isn't it, that Jesus makes this transition. You want me to increase your faith? Okay, let's talk about faith. Because faith is about you serving and never stopping to serve. Faith is about you having the identity of a servant. One of the things that has bothered me in recent days is all of the talk of leadership without that that phrase, servant leadership. But when you put servant leadership into the context of Scripture, you have the most powerful principle available. Pastor Philip constantly teaches on servant leadership. Because if we are people of faith, we understand that the demonstration of our faith is not in the fact that we have outbursts of power now and then, that we have moments where we heal or moments when we exhibit a particular presence, but that the proof of our faith, the measure of our faith is that we understand our role We are simply servants. Now, what you have to understand about Jesus is he never asked you to do anything that he didn't demonstrate. Have you ever wondered why Jesus would heal someone and then he would slip into the shadows? Have you ever wondered why Jesus would heal somebody and then say to the person that he healed, don't talk about this fat chance, right? You haven't been able to walk for 40 years. I just got you off of the map. You got a brand new set of legs. You can walk and leap and go out for the soccer team. And you're not going to tell anybody. But yet, Jesus was demonstrating a principle. He said this, I haven't come to do my will. I've come to do the will of my Father. He was demonstrating faith with an understanding that he only had one identity. And that was the identity of a servant. You know why God's going to make this place great in the earth? Because this morning as I sat here in service, I just began to worship because the Lord showed me a prophetic picture of this place filled several times on Sunday morning as God is about to bring an increase. And let me tell you, you're not going to be doing anything differently than you've been doing it. You're not going to be preaching anything differently than you've been preaching. The worship is going to be the same as it's always been. But suddenly from the north, south, east, and west, people are going to begin to pour through those doors. And you're going to have to fight for your seat and get here early because that's what the word of the Lord is over every servant church. And let me just tell you this. You are a servant church. And so I declare this in your hearing. Great is your faith. Let's move on. Faith is also gratitude. Faith is gratitude. See, I believe that Luke, when he was feeling this whole move of the Holy Spirit toward faith, that he began to grab for this experience he had with Jesus and that word he heard from Jesus and that response from the Lord. And in his mind, he was writing a cohesive, beautiful flow of his own thoughts and feelings and the move of the Holy Spirit in his life. So he moves not to a parable, but to an actual moment he had with the Lord. Go ahead. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. There's a border between Galilee and Samaria. So when you're talking about A border between Galilee and Samaria. What you're talking about is the fatherest border of those that would be the rejects of Galilee, and the fatherest border for those that would be the rejects of Samaria. And he met them, and he entered a village. There, ten lepers stood at a distance. At a distance. So there are ten men that are in exile because of a disease that was so misunderstood by the people of the day that they thought that there was a curse on these men. They were declared unclean because of the festering sores on their bodies. Now, please understand, this whole leprosy thing wasn't just a disease that ate away at the skin and sinew and bone. It was a disease that, numbed the senses so what could happen is someone could look down and realize that they had without their knowledge torn a finger off or had a huge chunk of skin and sinew that had been torn off of their faces till after they had had this for a number of years They looked as though they had come out of a war zone, wounded and broken. They were the rejects of society. They couldn't visit their families. They had no social life. They had no worship life. They were sentenced to the slow death of rejection, marginalized, lived on the borders of life. And um, they cried out to Jesus, Master, Have mercy on us. Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, please hear this. There are people in our society that are so wounded and so broken, they don't even have the courage to ask God for what the dream of their heart is. Their prayer is just kind of, if you can do anything for me, and that's what these men cried out. God, son of David, have have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Can you do anything for us? We're so hopeless. We're so helpless. We've been disappointed so many times. We've gotten our hopes up so many times and had those hopes dashed. Can, can you just do anything? Anybody ever been there? Have you ever been so low, so discouraged, so hurt, so wounded, so offended? that you've just cried out to God and said, I don't even know if I have the faith to ask you for what I really need. I don't even know if I have the faith to ask you for my complete healing, for my complete restoration. Can you just do anything for me? Some of you are here this morning, and that's kind of the place you're at. Your faith has been so destroyed by the circumstances of life and by the disappointment you've had with people and by loved ones turning a cold shoulder to you that you've just showed up saying, Lord, if you can just do anything for me today, if you can just have mercy on me. And Jesus turned to them and he spoke to them, all ten of them, from their ecclesiastical past. The fact that they had grown up in synagogues knowing the law. When he said, go show yourselves to the priest, they understood that there was a provision in the law, though it was seldom, if ever used, for the cleansing of the leper. And when he said, go show yourselves to the priest, that was the last step in the provision of the cleansing of the leper. Because the priest who had control over the culture and the community, protecting its people. was the only one that could give the go-ahead for those men to be able to reintegrate themselves in society. And basically the word of hope he spoke was, you go now and show yourselves to the priest. Your struggle is over because I've spoken and you are going to be whole. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Hallelujah. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. You know know what faith is? Faith is when you act on something having absolutely no idea how it's going to happen. Jesus didn't even give them a clue. He just said, go. I said, he just said, go. We have a young man um, in our church. Um, He and his beautiful wife, Hayden and Amanda Jennings, are just doing an unbelievable job right now for us and for the city and for our school. God's just used them in a mighty way. But this young man had a successful business in Baton Rouge. He was loved by everyone. He's the kind of guy that just is able to make a friend a minute, you know? And his wife is charming and she is like a soccer background. She's been an an executive staff with FCA for years and just loves the Lord. They're just this five star couple. And suddenly God speaks to him and says, Go home. Go back to Shreveport and serve. He said, Pastor, he said, I didn't have the slightest idea what I was going to do. He said, I didn't have one job interview lined up. I didn't know what my next step was. Well, let me tell you what has happened. Now, the city of Shreveport is turning over. Cargill Park to those two kids. And they are putting it under Shreveport Community Athletics, which is also sponsored by FCA. And the city has decided that they're closing their league down and putting all the athletes under us. Now, when I say us, I'm talking about Hayden and Amanda. Amanda's our soccer coach. Hayden is a baseball and a football coach. And everywhere they go, doors are flying open. And yesterday he said this. He said, never in my life had I had an experience of real faith where God just said go, and I had no guarantee, and I stepped out because I knew it was right in my heart. Now, that's not in my notes, but here's what I want you to understand. God knows that you're here right now and you are between one decision that holds you to the past and one that perhaps, 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 maybe, maybe, maybe opens a door to a glorious future. You have come here just for this word. You probably want to hear another thing I say because this is your word. It's time for you to just go. And as you go, you will be cleansed. As you go, you will have provision. As you go, you will have direction. As you go, it will all come together. As you go, the pieces will fall into place. So as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. All right, next. One of them, somebody say one of them. When he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. Go to the next verse. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. There was one man in the crowd that when Jesus spoke to the ten, what he said made no sense to him because he hadn't been raised in the synagogues. He was a Samaritan. So when he began to go and he experienced cleansing his thought was I don't know where I'm going with these guys but obviously they don't get it. It's that guy that just healed us. You see what you, what you must understand is that faith is gratitude. Do you know that Your faith cannot be quantified or measured as a reservoir, as a possession, as a potential. cannot be measured, but it can be measured by your gratitude. You know how I know I'm around a person of great faith? Because they are greatly grateful. Because they are so very, very grateful. A few years ago, God began to speak to me about something. I began to ask him, I said, Lord, why is it that we kind of see the same level of miracles? Have y'all all noticed that as well, that we ask God to, you know, give us great miracle, you know, outbreaks, and God, we want to see things like the disciples saw. How many of you ever prayed that prayer? God, I want to see things like the disciples saw. Some of you goes, go, no, that's way too spooky for me. That's fine. That's good. I'll just leave it there in the Bible. I'm good where I'm I've got Amen. But I want to tell you that I have prayed that prayer. And I've said, God, we need, we need more power. We need to see things like they saw in the book of Acts. We need to see an increase in miracles. But it, it seems that in America that our miracle experience, our supernatural experience just kind of simmers. And even when we have moves of God, it's kind of a repetition of what we've had before. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just kind of simmers. It really does. It's like we can't ever just, just break out into something that is authentic and real and something that we've really, really desired in our lives. And I said, God, why is that? And this is the word the Lord spoke to me. He said, because my people don't know how to manage my blessings. And I said, God, I don't understand that either. And God began to have a conversation with me. You say, you mean God talks to you? Yes, he does. And he will talk to you as well if you will listen to him. And what I can tell you is, as God begins to speak to me, this is what it is. It's a sequence of profound thoughts that I know I'm not capable of. It's a sequence of thoughts that reveal things to me that I've never discovered or even thought about. And this was one of those days, and this is what he said to me. He said, my people, I I give them a miracle. And they say, Thank you, God. And they run off in the next direction that they are pursuing, never ever even being grateful. And he spoke this word to me. He said, I have said in my word that when you are faithful, when you manage a small thing, I will give you a great thing. And he said, My people, have not qualified for great miracles because they have not discovered how to be grateful for the small miracles. Look at me and listen to me. Our problems in America are not because of the liberal left. Our problems in America are not because of the radical right. Our problems in America are not because... Our money is being mismanaged in Washington. Our problems in America is not because we've got people that are spineless in places of government and aren't taking care of crime. You know what our problems in America are all about? Our problems in America are about an ungrateful church. So I said, God, what do I do? And the Lord spoke to him and he said, begin to manage your blessings. Begin to manage them. And I realized that in the uh, Old Testament that God wanted his people to be so grateful that he instituted feasts. Now, if you look at those feasts of the Old Testament, those feasts are only about one thing. Men being able to make contact with God about great things he did in the past. That's all the festivals are, every one of them. They are festivals of remembrance because he understands that people that are blessed are famous for amnesia. You know what the Sabbath was? The Sabbath was a time when families broke with the the activities and the demands of their week and they came face-to-face around a table and were even given this form to be able to express their gratitude one time in a concentrated form to God. See, God was trying to teach His people all along about blessing management. (sighs) My uh, son... Was uh, Denny Rodney was in high school, and he was with a kid that was kind of a, you know, kind of a wild kid, not bad kid, just never knew what wall he was going to bounce off of, and and he was um, he was riding with this kid, and they were coming out of the school gate at Evangel, and the kid just hit the accelerator, and when he did, the car went into a spin, a fast spin and slammed Denny's side of the car into a telephone pole. And the back, the back uh, door of that car was crushed. D-Rod had been there. it would have perhaps killed him. I was preaching that night because he was there on Wednesday for a school activity. And I was preaching that night, and I was in the middle of my message And at the precise time, I stopped and I said, people, pray with me. The devil's trying to kill my son. And we prayed. God took care of him. The next Sunday morning was the first time I practiced blessing management. God just saved my boy's life. I'm not going to salute him and go on my way my wife and i took a thousand dollars out of our account we walked to the altar during the worship service we wept we said god we're not trying to we're not trying to buy you off or impress you with this money but this thousand dollars represents our lives we could pretty much tell you the part of our lives it represents if we divided our lives according to our salary so we've just come to give you a costly gift to say thank you. We want to manage this blessing well. Please continue to take care of our babies. Please continue to watch over them, Lord. We manage your blessing. You say, Pastor, you you getting off the grace message? No, my friend, you've never understood the grace message. The grace message does not undo the principle of God in creation where God would have a relationship with man, but man's relationship was reciprocal and absolutely irreplaceable to the God-man encounter. In other words, there are things for you to do in your relationship with God. Grace gets you in, but one day every one of us are going to stand before God and our works will be judged. And you know what the works are going to be? Our response to the goodness of a God who just kept on giving. You know how you measure faith? By your gratitude. Are you managing your blessings? Not long ago, David D. was in Miami. They had these high-rises, and on top of the high-rises, there'll be a crane. The crane's taller than anything in Shreveport, Bozier. And it's on top of a high-rise, and I noticed that sometimes they'll have these huge packages of something. Well, one of these packages was rebar. Huge deal of rebar. My son is in a small car, and he's in the back seat. He pulls in front of a large skyscraper, waiting for somebody to come out of the building. They pull up a little bit, and then all of a sudden there is the loudest impact, and the entire Deal of rebar had fallen from that height, denning the sidewalk inches behind his vehicle. Next Sunday morning, Dion's and I got up out of our seat. We came to the altar. Jesus, we noticed you saved our boy's life. Blessing management. I'm going to manage these blessings. I'm going to be as grateful as I can be. Let me just tell you something. Your gratitude matters. You say, Do you really believe that? You really believe gratitude matters? Oh, absolutely. I believe gratitude matters. The title of my message, you wondered where I was going with it, is this. Keep going. Where are the nine? Those aren't my words those are his do you understand that it mattered that nine men didn't come back and say thank you do you understand the son of God asked where are the nine do you understand that bothered him And yet you're going to get your job and just go enjoy yourself and act like you got it on your own. You're going to walk through that big door that was open, shake hands and hug people, and let them celebrate you. And you're not even going to manage that blessing. And This morning, this is what Jesus is asking. The same thing he asked then. You want to talk about faith? I'm not interested in talking about your reservoir of faith. I don't care if you have 100 million barrels of it. I'm interested in talking about the faith that is demonstrated by gratitude of you managing the blessings that I have. Because here's what you will discover. If you manage a blessing, God has indebted himself to give you more, to bless you more. Now, yes, please. Here's the last point. Slavery was not allowed in the Jewish culture. Not allowed. But this man came from a different culture. He came from a culture that is very common in the Mideast, where if a man saves your life, that you at that point, out of the culture, not out of a personal demand of the individual who was the Savior, you offer your life to the man. What had happened here is that Jesus gave, this man's life back. He wasn't ever going to see his wife and kids again. Now he was going to walk in the door for a grand reunion. He was never going to be able to sit over at the club and have coffee with the boys anymore in the breakfast time. But now, tomorrow morning, he was going to be a part of the social circle again. He was never going to be able to vote to To weigh in on matters of the community But now he was right back Where he had enjoyed being His life had been given back to him So the Bible says something key He came and he bowed before him In ancient days What he was doing was saying You gave me my life So I'm your man See When Jesus shed his blood And he gave his life He did that to do something for you. But he also did it with an understanding that from that point on, you were gonna belong to him, lock, stock, and barrel. And You see, when we talk about committing our lives to Jesus, we're talking about our giving our lives to him because we know that he gave us life. And if you wanna talk about faith, faith, is exactly equal to your level of surrender. To your level of surrender. Have you surrendered all? Have you given Jesus all? Are you in this sloppy, agape thing that is happening in Shreveport and Bossier and has always happened all of my life where we put Jesus in the basket alongside our job, our family, our pursuits, and our pleasure? Jesus looked at that man and said, get out of here. I choose my own disciples. Go back home. Go be with your wife and kids. You you got your life back, but look, 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 look. And then Luke sums up the whole dealing of God in his life with this. Go ahead. Your faith. Has healed you. See, surrender is a whole new level of faith. Stand with me, please, all of this place. Amen. 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 Praise God. Now, I know that's not right. My watch, my watch says six o'clock. So, Where, where's the, is it back there? What time is church the next service? Oh, wow. We got to get out of here. How many have faith that we're going to get out of here? Say, Mildred, I just had to have faith to know the man's going to stop talking in a minute. I had a fella come up after church one day and he said, Man, that's the longest message I ever heard. I was wondering if I was ever going to see my wife and kids again. Put your hands just like this and surrender to God. Only pray this if it comes from your heart because God won't hear it if it doesn't. Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry that I have not managed the blessings of my life. Thank you God for healthy kids. Thank you that I am healthy enough to be here today. Thank you for the things that you have done in my life for things that you've given me that I never deserved. So many things I never even asked for. Even with the trials I've gone through, the tough times, I'm so grateful for what you've done. Lord, I want to serve you. And I want to be that servant that does what I do with all my heart just because that's my role. And Lord, I want to be grateful to you. So show me how to manage blessings. Show me how to never take for granted what you do in my life ever again. Now, Lord, I give you glory for this moment. Thank you for speaking to me. In Jesus' name. As your heads are bowed, you're shut away with God. Here's what we as humans know. We know when we're right with God, and we know when we're not. I talk to folks just like you almost daily. Many times they will say to me, pray for me. And I don't like this term, but it's a shreveport Bozier term. Pray for me, preacher. Pray for me, preacher. I'm not where I should be with God. I'll often take their hand and I'll pray for them right there. You know something? If you've ever known Jesus or walked with him or if you've ever known anybody that really knew him, there's a longing in your heart to be right with God. If you'll say today, pray for me, preacher. I'm not where I should be. Then I want you to raise your hand and put it right back down. That's all I'm gonna ask. I'm not gonna ask you to come forward. But one, two, three, raise your hand all over this place. Pray for me, preacher. I'm not where I need to be with God. All over this place, all over this place, hands of gone. Now you pray this prayer with me. Pray this prayer with me. Lord God, you who know the end from the beginning, you brought me here. You knew I had a hungry heart. So today, in this moment, I surrender all. Thank you. I give you the glory. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and share our podcast. For more content from NCC and how to get connected, visit ncc.team.